Hey everyone, welcome back to the Darkness Inside podcast. Today I am um, bringing you episode 16, and this case is truly unbelievable. It's bad when one person kills people, but when, um, when it's a couple, that's just something else. So today I bring you the first case that involves a killer couple. I'm going to be telling you about married couple Susan and Michael Carson who terrorized San Francisco in the early 80s. So let's talk a little bit about um, their backgrounds before they became this killer couple. Susan Barnes was your typical suburban housewife in 1960s Scottsdale, Arizona. She had two kids and a husband who made good money, and so she was spoiled and didn't have to work. But of course, she was not happy and wanted more. She started taking LSD, mescaline, and peyote. She used to do these drugs with classmates from her son's high schools. It is even said that she used to seduce them and sleep with them. Rumor has it that she slept with around 150 young boys and men, but of course this is just a rumor. When she turned 35, she started having delusions and hallucinations, but she called them visions. Even when she wasn't on drugs, she was having them, but this was not something new. She had actually been having visions since she was a child. She strongly believed that she was a psychic. This would later play a big part of the crimes this couple would commit. Infidelity, um, her drug use, and her psychosis were factors that led to her divorce from her first husband. After the divorce, she became a new person. She started spelling her name with a Z instead of an S. It was S-U-Z-A-N instead of S-U-S-A-N. She started having visions that she needed to find a soulmate, a loyal loyal disciple. Now let's talk about James Carson, who was originally from Oklahoma. He was a non-conformist. He was really into the whole free love movement. He was all about supporting the movement to end the Vietnam War. He had an interest in um, history, religion, and philosophy. He earned a degree from the University of Iowa. That's where he met his first wife. He had a master's degree and a degree in Chinese studies. After graduation, they moved to Arizona I believe his wife was a teacher and she was very supportive of him being a stay-at-home dad. And from there, he became a pot dealer. His daughter Jennifer recalls him being an amazing dad. He was very caring. She says she was totally a daddy's girl. She recalls her father being really smart and he combed her hair and that's what she remembers the most. But he started becoming very antisocial 
and having bursts of anger. He started saying how certain people had to die or how certain people from the government should die um, as well. That's why his wife divorced him in 1977 because of unstable behavior and um, his unwillingness to get a job. When Susan and James met, I believe they met at a party and she was about 10 years older than James. Susan actually told James that his name was now Michael after the archangel that had defeated the devil. Jen would, Jen would visit um, her dad who now lived with um, Susan in a townhouse that she owned in Arizona. Some of her memories, she says Susan um, had a living room painted in black that was filled with more than a hundred plants. She says they wouldn't feed her and that they were just um, passed out on the only furniture they had, which was a water bed. She says that they were just passed out there and that they were naked. She remembers trying to escape the house for help and calling the operator on the phone to ask for her mommy. She says she tried to tell her mother what was happening, but um, she was young. She was about like three years old. She didn't know how to properly communicate um, this to her mother. Then after one visit, Jen told her mother, Susan had hurt me. After, um, after her mother saw wounds on Jen's back, the pair went into hiding. Jen's mom was certain that her ex-husband and Susan wanted to kidnap Jen, so they literally went into hiding. No one knew where they had gone. Jen says her mother um, trained her up to not say much so people wouldn't discover who they were. They moved to California and they moved often as well. In 1978, Michael and Susan sold the townhouse and decided to travel around Europe. Along the way, they preached the ethos and their religion um, and their crusade against witchcraft. It kind of failed to catch on. Um, I think it was due to the contradictions of their belief system. Susan created a DIY religion that she called Islam, but was um, really an elaborate collage of justifications for the couple's future crimes. Homosexuality, abortion, and witchcraft were causes for death, but drug use, murder, theft, anarchy, and driving without a license were just fine for them. When they eventually ran out of money, they were forced to move back to the U.S., and they settled in San Francisco. They blended right in the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood, the birthplace of a 1960s counterculture movement. It was a very hippie neighborhood, and that's where they would find their first victim. The first victim of the witch killers was their um, Haight-Ashbury roommate, Karen Barnes, a 23-year-old aspiring actress. According to Susan, 
while hitchhiking in a rainstorm. She received clear orders to return home and end the life of her roommate, who apparently had been a witch all along. Since childhood, like I said, Susan claimed to be a psychic, and in her confession, she stated the reason for killing Karen Barnes was that she was a psychic vampire witch who blocked Susan's own psychic abilities. The actual reason is much more petty. Um, It's believed that Susan and Michael grew upset with Karen because she declined to enter a polyamorous relationship with them. In March of 1981, Susan commanded Michael to hit Barnes over the head with a frying pan um, when she was making herself a snack. The frying pan did not complete the job, and Susan commanded Michael to stab her, which he did. He stabbed her 13 times. The couple then wrapped the body in a blanket, placed her head on a pillow, and did a series of bizarre childlike drawings all over the walls before they left. Police found the 23-year-old on March 7, 1981, in her apartment, with a skull bashed in and stabbed 13 times around the face, neck, and mouth. The drawings on the wall included the name Susan um, written around the pictures that they left behind. One of Karen's friends rushed to the scene of the crime um, and she informed police about Karen's new roommates and their strange beliefs. When the police interviewed Karen's mom, that's when they got the full name which was Susan with a Z and Michael. But sadly, those were not the couple's real name, so they couldn't find them. Susan and Michael hitchhiked north and lived in a secluded cabin that they thought had been provided as a refuge by Allah. They got bored and started working on a marijuana farm in the Humboldt area. The couple started having problems with a friend of the farm owner. This would be 26-year-old Clark Stevens. He was loud and drank a lot. They saw this, of course, as offensive. So one day, Susan didn't allow him to enter the farm. So Clark cussed her out and Susan told Michael that Clark was a witch and needed to be killed. Michael shot Clark twice in the head to prevent the body from being sniffed out. They covered it in manure and burned it um, and they buried the remains in the woods. The body was eventually found and because they buried him near his ID, Stevens was quickly identified. And well, they found out who he was and um, because they had disappeared the police immediately considered them suspects they had left their belongings behind at the farm which the police took as evidence 
Among what they left behind was an anti-government manifesto that included the list of celebrities and politicians which they intended to um, assassinate. One of those being the President Ronald Reagan. When the manifesto was found was when Jen found out about her dad and what he was doing. The Secret Service had actually found her and her mom. The police and Secret Service had a hard time finding them because they could um, easily live off the grid. Michael ended up being um, randomly arrested for, for hitchhiking in L.A. in November of 1982. But due to police error, he was quickly released and disappeared once again before Humboldt County detectives had a chance to intervene. In January of 1983, John John Hellier, a friendly man in a pickup truck, took in two hitchhikers headed to Santa Rosa. He didn't know that these were serial killers as they looked like any harmless stoner couple. At some point in the 300 miles they rode together, Susan received the divine message that John was a witch. Michael tried to shoot John, but he fought back for control of the gun. As the struggle moved to the side of the road, multiple witnesses saw Michael eventually get a hold of the gun and shoot John dead. The police received a call from a nearby fruit stand and they began they began a high speed chase um because they had actually stolen John's truck the truck swerved into a ditch and the and they well they finally got arrested so in january of 1983 the couple announced that they would willingly confess in front of a televised press conference they wanted, you know, that nor no they wanted to be famous. For six hours they fielded questions with smiles on their faces. Never once did they express remorse remorse for what they had done. They stated that the motive behind each murder was that they were witches and even confessed to the uh, murder of farm owner Clark Stevens, a crime the police might have never linked them to. In other cases of serial killer couples, uh, one normally turns on the other, but these two were just um, loyal to each other and they offered each other support um, and justifications as they recounted their crimes in front of this press conference that they had despite six hours of footage in which uh, Michael and Susan discussed their crimes at length they both pled not guilty when their case went to trial even though they recanted their statements there still existed physical and testimonial evidence from each murder scene Like the name Susan written on Karen Barnes, um, their kill list, and then of course the actual eyewitnesses when they shot John. 
Michael wrote an op-ed letter to famous journalist Herb Cain about how no one cared that he had rid San Francisco of the most dangerous witches. Eventually, Michael and Susan were convicted on all three murder charges, and each received sentences that totaled 75 years to life in prison. They were dubbed the San Francisco Witch Killers in the press, of course. This was like a thing back then, just like I said, how the press named the Black Dahlia. The pair were suspects in at least a dozen other murders in the U.S. as well as in Europe. But there was never enough evidence to bring, um, bring the pair to trial. Susan and Michael, besides the three crimes... Um, besides those three crimes that they were... Of course, they were, um, like I said, they were suspects... Of nearly other deaths in the US and Europe when they had traveled around Europe. Michael is incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison. Susan is at Central California Women's Facility. Jennifer, Michael's daughter, uh, joined with the families of the victims to protest both her father and her stepmother's paroles. She says she will continue to do so anytime a hearing comes up. She says that the last time she saw her father was when she was 19 years old. She visited him in prison. I think she was trying to get some closure about like the whole situation. Um, but she said in an interview in 2006 that... Um, she says that it was like looking into the eyes of someone that had no soul. That he was just pure evil. Many believe that Susan was the mastermind behind all of this. And that Michael was just a follower. It's crazy to me when it comes to killer couples. Or even when it comes to cults. How people can just in a sense be led to do very bad things. Um, it's truly baffling. Let me know what you guys think about this case and if you, and if you would like me to cover more killer couples. I highly recommend watching I Lived With a Killer on YouTube. Michael's um, daughter, Jen, gives a first-hand account of what it was like for her having to live with this man. Well, that's all I have for you today. Make sure to follow me on IG. Um, let me know. What you would like me to cover. Thanks for supporting guys. Seriously. Thanks for listening. Just thank you. See you in the next episode. Be safe. And remember. Beware of the darkness inside.